As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. The Athletic. Instead of taking up that gym membership that you wouldn't use even if the gyms were open, how's about subscribing to The Athletic for just £4 a month as a New Year's resolution? You'll get unrivaled football coverage with analysis and in-depth features from the very best writers around, exclusive Q&As with Athletic staff and ad-free versions of all of The Athletic's podcasts, including this one. Find out more and sign up today at theathletic.com slash Show. Hello and welcome to the Totally Scottish Football Show in association with Paddy Power. Coming up, the relegation race ramps up. Braveheart's boy breaks his duck for the Dons and the Steelmen get melted. I'm Andrew Slavin and alongside me on the podcast, senior producer for Melted Motherwell and hater of all football, it's Laura Brannan. Hello. There you go, that's a happier hello than I expected. Uh, a man who was secretly hoping that Andrew Considine had scored the last ever goal in Aberdeen's history, it's JJ Bull from The Telegraph. I wouldn't hope he'd be the last ever. It's an absurd thing to say. What a strange start we have. Laura's got a new microphone, everyone. It sounds lovely. Can you hear me beautifully this week? Yes. I feel like a professional podcaster now. I'm going to start off by just uh, congratulating Queen of the South from going from bottom of the table all the way up to fourth after their win against Dundee. Dundee's first loss at home of the season, I might add. Uh, but only one defeat in eight games for Queen of the South. Absolutely brilliant form that they are in. Won the Queens. Did anyone keep up to date with things in Serie A? Because obviously we've got Scottish representation out there. Aaron Hickey got sent off for Bologna. <laughs> I feel bad that we're picking on him. <laughs> this is our update on Aaron Hickey and we're picking on him because he got sent off after 17 minutes against Sassuolo. The manager for Swallow, who he was up against, was closer to it than I was. He even agreed that it shouldn't have been a red card. Um, so a bit of a shame for the, for the young lad. Um, but we, we did do some digging into um, previous Scottish players that had been sent off in the Serie A, um, expecting to find like Graham Souness or, or Joe Jordan kicking and punching people in the face. Uh, but what we did find out was a red card for Dennis Law at Torino in 1962. Law was dismissed against Napoli, um, but it was later revealed that the Torino manager, Benny Amino Santos, he actually asked the referee to send Law off because he was pissed off that Law had taken a throw-in and he asked him not to take the throw-in. 
petty levels that only Scottish football could bow to. I'm impressed it's a different country. Why did the referee agree to it? <laughs> That's absolutely brilliant. Would you have done that, JJ? You could be a manager. You've got a badge. you got your manager's badge. <laughs> uh, to reiterate, I have the lowest qualifications you can get as a coach without sitting an exam. Uh, how would I write one of my players? I, have. I mean, let's do it in football manager, right? That's the more accurate version of what I can accurately see what I would do. If one of my players took a throw and I didn't ask him to, I don't think I'd care. However, if he were to do anything that I don't like in real life, there are times when you would find them two weeks' wages, put them in reserves. You've got to treat them the way they deserve sometimes. So perhaps the red card was appropriate. Who knows? I'm maybe going off topic here a little bit, but um, with throw-ins, do you guys notice how many like foul throw-ins that that happen at the top level of football? And you see it on yeah. television all the time, and you're ra- I get raging because like referees at Sunday League football or Saturdays, they they always like get these amateur players. I know I used to always get caught out for it. But why don't they do it at top level football? I don't know. It happens a lot in Champions League and Premier League in, in England. I see. I yeah. see it all the time. Yeah. Oh well. Oh well. Uh, later on, we're going to look ahead to the League Cup final, um, but we're going to start the podcast in familiar fashion. Another week and another disaster for Celtic. This is the Totally Scottish Football Show, sponsored by Paddy Power. A beautiful Sunday for Ross County as they saw off Celtic 1 0 at Dingwall. Jordan White heading home the only goal of the game and top trolling as well from Ross County at full time playing Beautiful Sunday by Daniel Boone uh, quite funny actually but there you go um, if you haven't heard it before like, if you'll probably remember it from the Still Game episode uh, when Jack and Victor do the slosh <laughs> I don't know if you've seen that guy so but... specific <laughs> <laughs> I'm not having this I'm not having it as a Celtic song I'm not having it as a, as a slosh song it's a Dundee United song it's true it's been hijacked. I mean, I think it was just to kind of take the mickey a little bit. Um, not a staggering scoreline for Staggies, but a massive win. Uh, they're second, in fact, over Celtic in three months because they knocked them out of the League Cup. A massive win for John Hughes, Laura. Yeah, it is. Um, and I think my take on it is probably going to be similar to when Hamilton got their last-minute equaliser against Rangers a couple of weeks ago. When you're... A team who are fighting at the bottom of the table, you're looking to Celtic and Rangers to do you a favour sometimes, and they didn't turn up again. Um, and it's really frustrating because you look at the bottom of the team and you think, fine, okay, Celtic are playing Ross County, that's, that's some good points there. It can take Ross County, keep them lower down the table than Motherwell. Um, so, selfishly speaking, I was all about Celtic winning this one and get the points. And thanks for being useless, Celtic. Um, you didn't turn up when we needed you most. So, yeah, thanks for that. <laughs> Not that I'm bitter or anything. The one thing that, that um, Ross County fans might be frustrated at is the fact that, well, since John Hughes came in, yeah, they've, they've, they've picked up results and performances, but three of the four wins they've had have been against teams in the top half, Celtic, Hibs and Aberdeen. And with the split coming up, that's that's a worry, isn't it, JJ? Um. Maybe. I mean, the the reason that probably happens is because it's a lot easier to destroy than it is to create. So if you can just shut down the team you're playing against, it's easier to set up a team to defend against someone like Celtic because you just all you have to do is try and block space. You have to try and find ways to create against them other than hopeful set pieces or something like that. So they'll end up going into the split um, like every other team in that bottom six, basically just trying to smash into each other and get the ball in the box somehow and hope for some sort of luck. You know, whoever wants it more, that sort of... That sort of um, football analysis. 
Yeah, I mean, but they should have lost. Celtic should have scored at least two. Like, really poor finishing. I don't know if it's... These games just happen. It's the kind of thing that happens a lot to you, to reference the football manager again already, but it's, this happens to you. Like you, you have all the game, all the like, all the shots, all the attack and possession, and you end up losing to some silly goal. How bad was Ryan Christie's miss as well? Absolute sitter. He's having a nightmare just now. Christie's was the easier chance, I would have thought. But Edward's the first one. That's the kind of thing that he would normally hit, but when he misses that, it's almost like everyone else... I don't know, they weren't at the level they need to be. Do you know, it's really weird when that happens to players like that. Celtic might have had an off day in front of goal, but this kind of recurrent issue that Celtic have, defending crosses into the box, defending set pieces, and Neil Lennon comes out and says that he doesn't know why it's still happening. Like how, how can you not fix an issue when you're near the end of, of a campaign? How, how difficult is that? I mean, Celtic will work on things like defensive shape and they'll work on what they're, where they're meant to be and when. But if sometimes it doesn't really matter like how you coach players or what your tactical setup or anything. If a player just, just loses their individual battle, especially if you're in a man-to-man system, which I think they were for that, then it's going to be easier for the, for the opposition team to score if they can get ahead of that one man. Because in man-to-man, you just need one person to beat their man to be able to score. Celtic have conceded eight goals from set pieces this season, which puts them... Uh, they're sort of lower mid-table. Well, actually, they're bang right in the middle of it. And they've only conceded nine from open play. So <laughs> you can see that the problem that they're conceding is mostly from set pieces, which could be that they do need to work on something else, maybe a change of man-to-man zonal system or a mix or just having different players in. Like They're missing people like uh, Christopher Julien. He's out for however many months, like nine months or something like that. And if you don't have a player in the box who commands it, then you really miss out. You can see it like... It makes a huge difference when you don't have these big players in, in the back line. Like Ayer's the ball-playing defender. He's not a he's a tall guy, but he's not a real commanding presence in the box. If you don't have someone else, I mean, it's Shane Duffy is not the answer. And uh, if you don't have anyone else in the, the box, you can get rid of these balls into the box and just organise everyone around them. It's often not just the, like how aggressive you are, it's the organisation of it. it just, they're missing that player like Julien just now that will help with that set pieces. It could also be a part down to the coaching. Basically, they've just had a horrible time and they're pretty rubbish. That Julian injury is quite a bad one for him as well because he was meant to be only out for three to four months um, and then they've had this setback where he's now going to miss six to nine months. So this this happened at the end of the year, like just there in December and that, that's like verging on a year he's going to be out for. That's not good. And then they had another setback with James Forrest as well where I think he's only a few weeks away but he was expected to rejoin training next week. He's also got to have time to build up his fitness and match sharpness and it's just a case of, well, if the season's over, why are they rushing him? If if he's suffered a setback, um, don't don't push him into something. Is it because of the Euros? Is that the, the outlook? He wants to get to the Euros? I don't I don't think Scotland need him, to be honest, um, in the Euros squad. I think we've got enough talent there. Um, I, I don't think he should be rushing back if he's been injured all season and it could, if he's suffering setbacks, give him the time he needs. There's now 30 games uh, into the season for, for Celtic. Celtic ended last season um, after 30 games and they were champions at the end of that. Um, but they're 16 points worse off than, than last year. They're currently 18 away from Leaders Rangers. I mean, are we are we surprised and shocked still um, after another defeat? But like the fact that it's so staggering how far behind they are from Rangers, Laura? I think it's, it's more staggering that Neil Lennon survived this. I feel like every week people are questioning what what has to happen 
for him to then leave his position as manager. Um, it just feels like he's sort of very well cocooned and protected there, regardless of what happens. Um, and I think now it's, I mean, yeah, they've, they've all accepted that the, the title race is over. It's, it's uh, the inevitable is going to happen. It's now, I think, the attention turns to when it's going to happen. And as it stands, it's going to be at Celtic Park. So if they both win their next two games, then it comes down to the old firm game at the end of March. And that's an interesting one because obviously Celtic aren't going to want that to happen. So, um, I don't know. I, I think in normal circumstances, um, out with COVID normal um, in a normal season, I think the government would be forcing the game to be changed so the fans weren't at the game. I'd, I'm kind of waiting with um, interested eyes and ears to see what happens, um, considering this is behind closed doors, if it comes to this game. And we just could stop the 10 at Celtic Park. It's going to be... Gonna be a strange one. Well, yeah, that's the case because Rangers are now just seven points away from the title um, after they beat Dundee United four-one earlier on on Sunday at Ibrox. But Dundee United, Laura, should take a lot of heart from the first twenty minutes um, because they really showed that. And Mickey Mellon said that post-match that they, if they play like this, they can be a real force in the Premiership. And they had to Rangers had to rely on Alan McGregor to to bring out another couple of big saves. I feel like it's every kind of week now we're kind of congratulating the opposition team on actually having a go at Rangers. Um, and we're kind of saying it with surprise, but really, I mean, St Johnson had a go, Hamilton had a go, Kelly had a go. Um, struggling teams are showing that Rangers aren't to be feared. I mean, obviously they're superior, um, uh, but it's great for a game that teams are going, they're not afraid to have a go. Um, I think it could have been a very different game for United if they take advantage of the chances they created early on. The first half hour, I think it was... It was good. Uh, it came a bit of a more tougher watch from a Dundee United perspective after the first half hour. Um, the goals kind of killed it for them, obviously. Um, but yeah, I don't think... They're, obviously, they're not going to judge their season on how they the result they came away from at Ibrox, but um, they can take a lot of heart from how they started this game, definitely. Yeah, it was two two deflections gave Rangers um, a 2-0 lead at half-time, and the scoreline did end up being quite quite emphatic for Steven Gerrard. They've only lost one in the last 41 games in all competitions. It's amazing how balanced and how relentless Rangers can be, um, especially at home, JJ. I mean, they battered Dundee United here. Let's not pretend. It was After 25 like, minutes, they battered them. <laughs> no, that still doesn't count, but everyone has a, having a go for like the first little bit. And when and teams having a go, it's not that they're coming out and like really pressing another team, it's that they're just taking their chance to push them when they get this, the few opportunities that they get. You have to be lucky basically to beat Rangers now, unless you're, well, Celtic should be able to beat them, but not right now. It's a bit harsh, JJ, uh, when you break it down. If you had two deflected shots, missed a penalty, sorry, big penalty was saved, and the Morelos yeah. goal was just completely bad luck from a Dundee United perspective, and they scored as well. I mean, you take out all those mishaps, Aribo's top corner strike was a, it was brilliant. That's that's the one that you're kind of talking about in terms of the real quality. But you need to kind of break it all down. There were so many things that were just unlucky for United, and it all accumulated. No, I, I, I see it a totally different way. Like It's not... I don't think you can analyse the individual breakdown of chances that are, that someone has taken to score and how they've won the game. It's how you control the game, like how you control possession, like where you where you control the in and out of possession. And I think that's that's why one of the reasons I, I like the expected goals metric as a way to kind of work out how a, how a game has gone. It's not perfect. It doesn't mean a score should follow exactly that. But for example, like on Wisecout, their XG has Rangers at three point seven, 
to Dundee United at point six. So it's a, it's hiding in terms of how the actual game has gone. Sure enough, that doesn't translate necessarily to the individual chances. And you can say that like the deflected goals, oh, they're lucky because they've gone in. But they're still in a place where they're able to get those chances in the first place. I don't think Dundee United were ever really... Like, they can have a go and they can cause a bit of trouble, but I, I still think that Rangers just dominated the entire, the entire of the game. Dundee United started well and they tried to push high for the start, but then they just kept having to fall back because Rangers grew into the game and, and sussed them out really early. Uh, the news that, that James Tavenier's injury in the Europa League against Antwerp, uh, you know, quite worrying for Rangers fans because he's been such an important player. But a good thing is that Leon Balogun seems like a good deputy to go in there, um, normally used at, at centre-back, but his, his pace gives him, uh, you know, what Rangers probably need because so much comes down that right side, doesn't it, JJ? I mean, it's not just the right. The, all their width comes from their full-backs because of the way that the attacking midfielders are quite narrow, like inside forwards. So it makes sense playing someone like Balogun, who's pretty quick, because then he can get up the pitch and give them a bit of attacking width. Uh, I'm not sure how good he is at crossing the ball or anything like that, but I mean, Rangers are in control of that game, so it's fine. What it might also do, going forward, and I've not studied this in the game, so I can't tell you what happened, but... Um, by playing Balogun there as a, a defender who can also play centre-back or full-back, it might give Rangers the, the option to change to a back three when they go forward so they can set up differently like in the attacking phase. So a lot of teams do this. You'll, it's quite a, a trend, a tactical trend on a lot of teams where they start with a back four and it becomes a back three very quickly. And then they'd have a holding midfielder in front of it to form a diamond at the back. It might be something we see going forward. It might be something they're experimenting with. Um, it's probably a good idea for Rangers to try something different because... They've played the same way for most of the season now, and so opposition managers um, will have figured out ways to keep them quiet, maybe, or just find little holes here and there. Like Hibbs, a little while ago, noticed the space in the areas behind the fullbacks. So it could be that by changing something now, it um, gives them a little something extra to make sure they win every single game forever. <laughs> well, Rangers, they, they do edge ever nearer to the, the Premiership title. Uh, Scott Arfield actually um, texts John Hughes, um, his old manager at Falkirk, um, to say thank you for, for Ross County beating uh, Celtic. So that was quite funny. Uh, up next, though, more misery for Motherwell. Uh, and there was a goal at Potodri. OK, Mr Lennon, so that's 15 first-class return tickets from Glasgow to Dubai, eight twin suites, poolside passes, karaoke system, one extra large shamrock flag and a Steven Gerrard piñata. Aye. And would you like to insure your trip, sir? Eh, uh, no. Well, what could possibly go wrong, eh? With Paddy Power's Acura Insurance, you get a free bet if one leg of your four-plus-fold Acura doesn't, uh, go to plan. Hey, Celtic? Paddy Power! Max should bet £10, win odds one to five on each leg, online exclusive, exclude shop bets, exclude enhanced match odds, T's and C's apply, 18 plus, begumbleaware.org. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard it right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask me. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. On Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Smart Speaker, and now ad-free on The Athletic. This is the Totally Scottish Football Show with Andrew Slaven. Niall McGinn sends the ball in. There is a goal. And it's a substitute Callum Hendry. He's only been on the park a minute or so. And he has the opening goal. 
Aberdeen scored a goal, a real one, on Saturday. It was enough as well to beat struggling Kilmarnock at Pataudry. Callum Hendry with his first for the club after he replaced Fraser Hornby uh, after 20 minutes. And, um, I mean, question marks on defending, really, uh, for this one. He had so much freedom in the air. It was kind of clean and easy for him in the end, don't you think, JJ? Well, Aberdeen scored a goal, but Aberdeen scored a goal from a set piece and created almost nothing outside of the set piece. So it's exactly the same problems. Anyone getting excited about that, like, do not, because it's exactly Katie, the same you problems. you won the game. Stop complaining. I don't care. Oh, it's, he scored a goal, no, but, it's but not, it wasn't it's not a good goal. It's not about it being a good goal. It's about having control of the game. Some of the things you see in Aberdeen are the kind of things, actually, that we'll come on to later that, that uh, Motherwell need. That kind of hard that rigidity, hard to break down, that kind of bit that's missing right now. But Aberdeen don't have any of the creativity that they need to have as we go on and on and on every single week. But that's it's the same thing here. They had a, sh- a chance early on, a really good uh, like third-man run that Lewis Ferguson made and he shot from distance, didn't score. And I don't remember anything. I mean, Fraser Hornby took a shot that meant he had to... like He was so shocked at having able to take a shot in open play that his leg made him come off the pitch. So that's another thing that happened. The mark, and sure enough, like Gary Dicker should have picked him up. I think it was the man that had him. Uh, it's supposed to be man-to-man in Tommy Wright's system. Uh, didn't pick him up and Hendry scores but I mean you just can't you can't rely on that it's not it, I, I know what you're saying Laura but it's to me you have to be it's it's too unpredictable you have to be able to, you have, to have control of the game and to me this is a, a nil-nil all day long but you say, you say that you need a little bit more and, and that's that's fine um, because Aberdeen have had so many problems um, over the last what was it? Six but games. It's not a little bit more, um, Slavin. It's like but, it's it's but, it's a different thing. It's no, it's no, control no. I know, of the game. I know what you're saying. I know what you're saying. But when you go through such a difficult run, you have to cling on to some shred of of positivity. And getting the three points, it buys McInnes a little bit more time. Um, it buys the club a little bit more time to rectify these issues. And and is that not is that that not fair for for McInnes to get a little bit more more time? No, he's. He's got time until the end of the season, definitely. Nothing's going to happen now, and like it's it's not that like it's like trying to get out of it. They're trying to be really attacking and like let's go to them and we take the game to the opposition. But by doing that, they're just shelling the ball. There's no control of the match. Like there's no control out of possession, no control in possession. It's just a chaos game. And like Tommy Wright had his team like they they already look a bit better organised. I thought there was some decent play from them. Nice little combinations here and there. They're not you know it's not come good just yet, but. They'll be harder to to beat soon under him. They've what is it, they lost eight games in a row, haven't scored in seven of them. Obviously not ideal, but they don't have players that are as good as the likes of Aberdeen. So they're going to have to find new ways to score, which is probably going to be the way that Aberdeen are setting up, which is to be hard to break down. They rely on getting those chances from set pieces or just a cross in the box, something like that. It's just it's not very really it's not very really inspiring at all. And there's a I I think it could be a whole lot better. Is I think is my point. That's fair. I think I think control uh, comes when you have confidence. Aberdeen don't have any of that. Um, so, but even but from the outside looking the in, ball. from the outside looking in. But you're complaining about three points, right? I'm Aberdeen not complaining about three battled. points. Well, it's the performance. It, oh, it's this, the performance, this, Laura. The performance and the, yeah, the structure, like, the game plan, everything. That's, I get that. I get that. It is the same problem. Post split every season for Aberdeen, they are terrible. They don't win many points, right? I can't. I don't have the numbers, but it's terrible every year. And uh, the same problems I've been talking about every single week for the last eight, nine weeks, the same things were on show in this game. It's just that they were playing against a team who are pretty hoarse at the moment. 
and they managed to get a win from a set piece. Without that set piece goal, it's nil nil, and it's exactly the same problems that are in show. And so there's no sign of it getting any better. JJ, let me ask you this: Is is finishing top six while playing unattractive football um, not good enough? I mean. Aberdeen will finish probably about fourth. I think actually they could drop down to, to a bit lower. It's it's really poor at the moment. I mean, obviously it's not good enough. Aberdeen should be third. They've got the third biggest budget. That's where they should end up. Aberdeen right now are fighting for third place. That is their aim, right? Mm-hmm. They're four points off it just now. Surely it's points are the more important thing than performances. Surely you, you go on and secure your aim and then you worry about the performances after that. Surely it's, it's the be all and end all right now is to get the third spot. So to get yeah, but, that first but, and worry about performances later. No, because you have, no, because to get points, you have to be able to create chances to score goals. Otherwise, you're just trying to cancel each game, and that's what it feels like just now. Every game is just trying to cancel it, so it's a nil-nil, and it's not. But at the business end of the season, is that not what it's about? It's about oh. just getting over the line any way it's possible. I, I get we no. all want beautiful football to watch, and in an ideal world, it it's would not, be it, you'd get points and football, good though. performances. But that's what I mean. That's in an ideal world, you get points and a good performance. But we're not in an ideal world. We're in Scottish football. And it's just, do you want to achieve your aim or do you want to be entertained week to week? Laura, it's not that. It's not about beautiful football and trying to play like Cruyff. It is keeping the ball on the ground to combine for more than five passes at a time. It's like fundamental basics. Like There's a, a, a video going around about the press against Celtic last week that you would fail like a sea licence course if you were in charge of that. It's it's abysmal. It's players not knowing what to do. It's players lacking confidence. It's players being told to basically grind out games to see what you can do. No one's got any... It's all... It's both at the same time highly structured and organised and at the same time completely disorganised. The Dons needed that win uh, in the race for third because Hibs won their fourth in a row as they saw off Hamilton 2-0 at Easter Road. But the, the whole game massively hinged on the Hamilton being sent off for, for Hamilton. Uh, Jamie, after 12 minutes, what are your takes on on this red card, Laura? Um, Because it looks as though there's no contact with Martin Boyle, the Hibernian player, and it looks like there's enough contact on the ball. Yeah, so Aki's have appealed this one. Um, It was a straight red for the challenge on Boyle. I I mean, we all saw that he got the ball. (laughs) Um, You could maybe argue that it was reckless, the speed he came in at, but he got the ball. Um, And... It massively changed the game, this one. Um, it only happened after 12 minutes and I feel like if Hamilton had 11 men on the pitch, they could really have taken this game to Hibs. But they scored, Hibs scored almost instantly after the red card instant. It completely changed everything. And whether or not Aki's win their appeal, yes, OK, they'll have Hamilton back for a game earlier than expected, but it doesn't change that game on Saturday. It doesn't give them another chance of getting these points against Hibs. So they're already at a disadvantage because of that. If I was Brian Easton, I. <laughs> what a sentence that is. <laughs> I would love to be Brian Easton. If I was Brian Easton, I've never heard anyone say that. <laughs> if I was Brian Rice, I wouldn't be so angry at the red card decision. I would be livid at my back line and the, and the way that it was uh, it, it tried to defend against Hibbs leading up to this red card because you do have Brian Easton in the uh, opposition's half almost man-marking Martin Boyle you have a dolphin right next to him and Jamie Hamilton who is it was kind of a back three that Hamilton had it's so disjointed so then Hamilton's actually trying to bail out his two other partners 
and that's what's led to it. I mean, really, they didn't need to be that high up and disjointed. It's it's a bit diabolical, if if, if you ask me. Um, but Hibbs once again finding ways to win. A good goal from Martin Boyle. And do we think they're going to finish third, JJ? After what you said about Aberdeen. <laughs> At the moment, yeah. Absolutely, yeah. They're playing much better football. Especially because they've, like I said, the form that Aberdeen tend to have post-split is really poor. Um, I think Hibs are better equipped to deal with playing against Celtic and Rangers particularly. Uh, and they, they look all right. Like, Boyle's starting to score. Nisbet came on later on, so hopefully he'll get back in amongst it and get me some fantasy football points. Yeah, they're decent. Hamilton nailed them for 10th. Does it make up for the, the two semi-final defeats? Um, if Jack Ross can finish finish in third place, <laughs> I just don't see. I just don't see football like that. <laughs> but like, does that make that better? I don't. I don't see it like that. Like it doesn't. It doesn't make it better. But there's one kind of aspect you could look at and say, well, if they got to the se- the finals of these cup competitions, um, they would have been playing them in front of no fans. Well, at least the the Scottish Cup one there which was a Scottish cut one from the previous season that gets a bit confusing but yeah they're doing playing in front of no fans and I don't think obviously we'll touch on that a bit later on with the the build up to this weekend's final but for clubs like that the, the fans live for days that they get to go to Hampden and have their cup day out so the fans missed out on that but if um, Hibs get into third well if Hibs get a European position which it kind of looks between the five spots, it looks like it's going to happen, um, or at least the top four, depending on what happens with the cup competition. At least next season, the fans are going to get to enjoy that and they're going to get to be a part of that. So, yes, you can't really compare achievements in that sense on the pitch, but for the fans, um, they would probably feel as though they've they've won out of it. Well, Hamilton are now bottom um, after Ross County's win and the Ackies have now got 10 days off um, with their game against St Johnston being moved to Wednesday the 3rd of March. And if we look at the bottom four uh, in the table, they're all separated by four points after Motherwell were swept aside by St Johnston 3-0 at Fur Park. Sorry, Laura, we're, we're here now. Um, Yay. How can, how can Motherwell play so well against Rangers but then get such a differing performance level uh, against the likes of Hamilton and St Johnston? It, it must... I mean, I know you can't... You probably don't want to say too much, but the feeling at the club right now must be quite difficult yeah um, I obviously can't go into too much um, analysis of our performances and stuff um, considering I'm employed by the club but yeah it's it was a bad one on Saturday uh, we thought it couldn't get worse than the Derby defeat the week before uh, that's Probably the worst I've seen us play um, against St Johnson. It wasn't. A, it wasn't a good day. I think we've all seen the stats. There was what one touch in, in St Johnson's box for the entire first half. There was what one shot on target. Um, we've also. It's the first time we've heard the manager come out and actually say the words relegation battle. So it's not. It's not ideal. It's not great. Um, and I don't ever want to use excuses. Um, but I think it is also important to stress just how many players are missing right now um, it's never an excuse for what happens on the pitch these players are more than capable of going out there and beating the likes of St Johnson but at the same time you could make an entire starting eleven out of players who were unavailable at the weekend um, and that's a mix of injuries um, illness non-Covid illnesses um, and also suspension because obviously Stephen O'Donnell got sent off in a derby um, so our stand-in captain then had to give the barman to a stand-in stand-in captain and it's it's little things like that you've got the likes of Max Johnson who's 17, just turned 17 is having to 
make his debut, well, first start, because he came on last weekend for his debut against Hamilton Ackies. Um, and he's playing, and he, for somebody who's so inexperienced, it's so unfortunate because he's got such a bright future ahead of him. But there's so much pressure getting put on his shoulders at a time when the club are so desperate for points and performances. And we're shipping seven goals in two games and that's obviously not going to do his confidence any good it's not going to do his reputation any good and that's really unfair when you put all these things together so it's just it's not really it's not a good time just now a lot of things going negatively for Motherwell but it's so positive uh, for St Johnston and really Motherwell can't be too disheartened that they were just outplayed by a much better team on the day JJ and it's it bodes well for them going into the League Cup which we'll talk about later on the show they absolutely can. Like Laura said, like they were they were dreadful in this game. I'm not sure I've seen a lower XG. Motherwell had 0.04 in this game. That's awful. <laughs> but then one of the reasons for it, um, I mean, I think the first reason is that players, a lot of players didn't turn up and didn't, they weren't winning their battles. They weren't doing simple things like running or wanting it enough, genuinely though. Like they genuinely didn't show that. But I think a lot of it to do was, was with tactically St. Johnson, everything goes wide, everything goes wide, but Motherwell put everything in the middle, so they allowed them to play out wide, and they were able to combine... Like St. Johnson have learned what they're doing and how the system works, so their their wing-backs get forward like, really wide and high, and so when the left wing-back crosses it in, the right wing-back is normally in place to be able to help, like, to assist in, in, in attacking. They get two forwards around the box so they can get there, and the midfield pushes up behind it. And they, they push quite high, and it's a full-court press, as in, like... They press from the front and then the, the centre-backs even push up to try and help with the press to keep them in that half of the pitch. And uh, it worked really well. Motherwell couldn't deal with it, try to play it from the back. Individual poor play in the build-up. And I think they should be commended for trying to play, the stick with playing out from the back because that's the way you're going to be able to play better than other teams is if you keep the ball more and have control of games, like I was saying about Aberdeen. So rather than shelling it and give the other team it, Motherwell trying to play through the lines and do like that. But they're playing like a what and long as strikers alongside Cole, they're all quite central players. So there's no width there, really, no natural width, and they want to come inside. Then you've got your right fullback is obviously the young Johnson. You've got Carroll as well on the left. They need to provide all the width. And then when Johnson come at them, there's no width to uh, to defend with. So they just they conceded all the most valuable areas of the pitch against St. Johnson play. Um, and it's something that I don't think... Uh, Livingston will do in the final, for example. I, I don't think there's any way they'd make the same tactical errors. And that's what they were. It was a tactical... I think it's a tactical error. But it doesn't excuse the players not being very good. There's a little bit of the hearts at Motherwell just now, I think. like Especially with all those missing players. If they get them back, they, especially Campbell's a massive miss, I think. Um, I think they've got too many good players to go down. But watching this game... Uh, we'll see. <laughs> is, is Ca- Campbell, as you're saying, is massive. Campbell O'Hara... And Gallagher, I think, are three Ohara, yeah, massive yeah, yeah. ones. Um, they're three big leaders in the team. Uh, obviously, we're missing Carson, who is a vice captain. Um, he's obviously going to be out for a lot longer. And in all credit to Liam Kelly, he's came in and he's been fantastic replacement. But I think it's Gallagher, the captain, um, and Campbell and O'Hara. And obviously, Liam Donnelly has been missing all season. He is one of our best players in the squad. These are natural leaders, and you're you're lacking that that volume and voice on the pitch um, and just general presence as well that we're really kind of struggling without just now. We only need to look at hearts uh, to realise that squads that look good enough to stay up can still go down. Um, but we'll, we'll we'll move on to a one-all draw between St Mirren and Livingston and Paisley. 
I'll avoid the the own goal. It's so unlucky. Um, and I'll just talk about Cammy McPherson's equaliser, uh, his first goal of the season, and an absolute beauty of a strike. There were some great goals over the weekend, uh, but I think I'll avoid Arabos and I'll avoid Guy Milamed's and say McPherson was my my favourite goal of the weekend. It's three draws in a row now for St Mirren. Um, they've had a lot of games in a short space of time. Uh, do we think they could? squeeze into the, the well stay in the top six um, I think they could um, I think when at the start of the season if you asked if Livy or somebody would be in the top six I think well I would have said Livy yes based on last season um, I think they, they finished fifth last season um, and St Mirren I would have probably predicted around the fifth to eighth place squad um, and it really would have just came down to performances whether they could have snuck into that top six I think they've, they've managed to turn things around after a bad start to the season um, and found found some form found a good run um, I'm very jealous and I think they I think they, they can really go on and, and cement that top six place I think it obviously just now it's between them and Dundee United I'd like to think that it may open up a wee bit more um, and be a bit more of a competition with the teams around them going into the split but right now very good chance of making it you, you mentioned that Motherwell were, are missing leaders and you lost one last summer because Richard Tate went to St Mirren um, and it's now a massive game on Wednesday because Mother will travel to St Mirren. How big is that game for the club? Yeah, that one is massive. Obviously, more so, I'd say, for Motherwell, just because of fighting for our lives. Uh, but St Mirren won't see it that way. They'll just see it as, obviously, they've got their own battles to, to fight as well. You're seeing Richard Tate there. He has been so excellent for St Mirren this season. I've been really impressed with how well, how quickly he's settled and how he's, just, he's came into his element. I think he struggled towards the end of his Motherwell career, maybe. Um, he kind of maybe looked like he was slowing down a wee bit. Um, and we kind of questioned... Um, is this the kind of the, the start of the end because he's kind of coming to the end of his career? But absolute full credit to him, he has revitalised himself um, and done so well for for St Mirren. Again, very jealous that they've got him, um, and we don't. He's a very good leader um, to have on the pitch. And Wednesday's a massive one. This is obviously the game that was rescheduled after the COVID incident with St Mirren. Uh, the one that we Motherwell got awarded the points, and then the points were taken off Motherwell again, and now they're back up for grabs in this game on Wednesday night. So all to play for. All to play for. Well, coming up, we're going to talk about the League Cup final and some fantasy football. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. This episode is supported by FX's Welcome to Wrexham. Celebrity owners Rob McElhenney and Ryan Reynolds' small-town Welsh football club has finally been promoted into League Two after 15 seasons in the National League. Dedicated staff and supporters celebrate the city's return to glory while bracing for the newfound challenges that come with being in a higher league. Will Wrexham AFC stand up to the challenge and rise again into League One? FX's Welcome to Wrexham premieres May 2nd on FX. Stream on Hulu. On Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Smart Speaker, and now ad-free on The Athletic. This is the Totally Scottish Football Show with Andrew Slaven. Fantasy football time. Game week 30 isn't over yet. St Mirren versus Motherwell on Wednesday night still to come. Um, lots of players pivoting from Tavernier to Barisic this week. 
Um, Tavernier was the most sold player following his injury against Antwerp and Barisic was the second most owned player but he missed a penalty at Ibrox on Sunday and they didn't get a clean sheet so a lot of people raging about that um, and Kevin Nisbet uh, on the bench again for Hibs who's wreaking havoc with fantasy teams he's still the third most owned player have you guys got any picks um, for the upcoming weeks to come? Um, I think picking Barisic for standing captain for Tavernier is a rookie error. Schoolboy error. I mean, look at the goals he scored. Why? He scored four. Um, well, you've got a choice. So your mentality is I'm going to pick a different Rangers defender for the same idea. You want a Rangers defender that scores goals because he's obviously going to keep clean sheets and then double his points. You can pair Barisic to Connor Goldson. Connor Goldson's got more goals. <laughs> it's an absolute no-brainer. He scored double the amount of goals. So... Shove him in as captain. Well, that's what I've done. Mm. Uh, that might come back to bite me, but um, that is the advice I'm going for just now. Any strikers for you, JJ? Uh, I just wouldn't even take any of my advice. I had a, I put Alan Campbell <laughs> on my team this week, for example. Devante <laughs> Cole up front. JJ, <laughs> it's falling apart. I just, I just like, I don't know Ross Callaghan. I still just always have him in. Andy Considine, yeah, triple captain. He's a good one for points. Sean Rooney's a shout for St. Johnson, albeit he won't be getting points this weekend because they're playing in the Cup. But um, on another week, um, Sean Rooney's a good shout. Um, I guess Jordan White's a shout. Uh, two goals in three games now for Ross County. Um, I've not checked to see how much could, he You is, should have him back at Motherwell. Yeah, that would be nice. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Um... <laughs> Uh, a few more things Martin Boyle still being the top scoring midfielder this season with 10 goals I got rid of him recently which is uh, I mean that's probably yeah. why I'm in I am still in the top 6 though um, in our league of 7 um, <laughs> uh, so I'm going to stay on that and I see that producer Charlie who's back with us for this this programme um, I'm 34 points ahead of him so I'm still above the English which is important for me <laughs> Time now to hear from our friends Paddy Power, courtesy of producer Charlie, who's back with us. You've been away for a few weeks. What are you doing? Well, I thought you guys might follow the SPFL's lead and just suspend the podcast, maybe even null and void it, but apparently not. Uh, I've been off because my partner and I just had a baby. Uh, it was a very emotional ride. We were in hospital for 72 hours, so... Glad to be back. Speaking of being somewhere way longer than you expected, Neil Lennon Celtic are two to five favourites to beat Aberdeen. Odson Edouard is four to one on to be the Golden Boot winner in the Premiership after his recent goal glut, and you can still get two hundred and fifty to one with Paddy Power that Celtic win the title. Uh, we're just about to discuss the League Cup final, Livingston v St Johnston, possibly too close to call, but Paddy Power do have to call it. That's their job. And they say Livy at 13-10, ahead of St Johnston at 17-10. The first trophy of David Martindale's career, perhaps. Wow. Odds on, Edward is uh, my favourite out of that. Um, you can find out these odds <laughs> and more at paddypower.com or the Paddy Power app. Prices are accurate at the time of recording. It's over 18s only. T's and C's apply. And when the fun stops, stop. Sunday afternoon at Hamden, the first silverware of the season will be decided as Livingston face St Johnston in the League Cup final. Both clubs are looking to double the amount of major honours in the trophy cabinet and we're joined now by fans from both camps. Ed Hodge, author of Our Day in May and Andrew Semple from the Talk Livy podcast. 
thanks for joining us, guys. But first off, goes without saying, how badly do you want to be there on Sunday and how much does it suck that you can't? I'll go to Ed first, actually. Yeah, it's it's obviously a bizarre time for the for everyone still in, in football and, and wider society. So yeah, it's going to feel really strange. I, I remember when we we reached the twenty fourteen Scottish Cup final. I took the train through about nine o'clock and uh, I walked around Glasgow and tried to settle my nerves and, and all the rest of it. I had a couple of beers. So uh, Sunday's going to be rather different. I'll, I'll maybe need to try and do the same walking around uh, town here in Lithgow and, and maybe try and calm myself down. Um, I, I think the, the only good thing that I, I realised was um, 2014, my, my son Andrew was, was too young at that time to come. So this Sunday I'll, I'll have my two children and wife, Iona, beside me on the couch. So they, they'll be able to go through the same suffering that I, I went through seven years ago. Uh, so that that's the kind of the positive that I guess it's it's having the family beside me on on Sunday will be will be slightly different than the 2014 final. What's going to be your pre-match rituals, Andrew? Yeah, well, as as you say, it's it's a it's a tough one. You know, at clubs like St Johnston and Livingston, we don't get there very often. I mean, for ourselves, it's been 17 years since our last major cup final and. Thankfully, I got the opportunity to be there. I was I was just a, a young kid back then, so you know. But memories that that live with me for forever, and they they still do. But uh, I've already started pacing. It's uh, <laughs> back and forward, thinking about Sunday. Um, but yeah, uh, it's one of these ones. I'll be with family, you know, enjoying the day. It's just a pity that that both sets of fans can't be there because I think it would have been a a terrific family occasion. Take us back, Andrew, to the the last time that Livingston won this competition in 2004 because the club actually went into administration a few weeks before the final. Obviously, things are in a better place now, but do you remember 2004? I don't know how old you are. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I I do remember. I I mean, I think I would have been about 13, 14 back then. Um, You know, actually, we we went into administration the day the semi-final against Dundee and it... you know, looking back, that was actually more emotional than what the final was. You know, uh, going to the semi-final, knowing that we'd made players redundant. You know, a lot of players lost their jobs the day of the semi-final. Um, so to go on and win that game, how we did, a last-minute penalty, and then obviously the final. You know, again, it almost touched on it earlier on. It was a, a great family occasion. We were massive underdogs, despite having played Hibs and and beat them quite convincingly throughout the league campaign. You know, they had 40,000 fans at Hamden that day. We had, I think it was about 8,000. Uh, but the whole build-up was led on, you know, this is Hibs' trophy to, to throw away, this, that, and the next thing. We went there. We, we I thought we controlled the game. You know, we had a, a team fully experienced. Marvin Andrews, Oscar Rubio, uh, Jamie McAllister, Derek Well, they all played, you know, whereas Hibs, they had that group of, of youth players who have all had a great career now, you know, the likes of Scott Brown, I say great career, I was going to list off Gary O'Connor and Derek Riordan, talk about two talents that have thrown away, but back then, back then, you know, they were they were star players, but that experience in the day really showed, and it was a, a terrific occasion, you know, going back to the stadium, you know, the players were, you know, I remember David McNamee riding around Livingston Stadium on a bike, you know, he was he was half cut by the by the time he got from Hamden back to Livingston that day. It's just memories that, that I'll never forget that'll stay with me forever, you know, and it'll be great to hopefully experience those memories again, albeit in a different way. 
Ed, you you wrote um, about St Johnston's only ever cup win, which was the Scottish Cup. Um, do we should we expect a our day in February? <laughs> I, I honestly haven't even thought about it. I, I'm one of these kind of superstitious people that doesn't look too far ahead. Uh, so it hasn't really gone through my my thought at all. The, 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 you know the, the 2014 final was probably the most nervous I've, I've ever been because it was the the feeling of you know Dundee United in the final we we probably went in as the slight favourites because uh, of the of the form we had that season and obviously you're not you're, you're playing a team outside of the, the Glasgow Big Two so the the stakes are probably a little bit higher and I think that's probably exactly how I feel uh, for, for for this Sunday as well because it's it's a 50 50 one really isn't it if you are if you were going in there playing Rangers or Celtic or a or an inform Aberdeen or Hibs, you would probably go in with lesser expectations. But I would I would imagine both sets of fans think they can they can win this game, and uh, if if they don't win it, it's, it'll kind of look as the one that got away. So there's almost a, a wee bit of extra pressure as the as, as St Johnson felt in 2014. So whether or not that stands them in good stead, I, I don't know. But it's. Um, it's definitely a different feeling, but it's one that we can obviously all enjoy. And, and given what we've all endured this year, it's been uh, it's been great to watch Saints go on this run um, under Callum, who's obviously first season in charge. Um, there's, there's maybe a parallel there as well. It was it was Tommy Wright's uh, first full season in charge when we won the cup in 2014. So hopefully there's a there's a wee omen there. I'd, I'd certainly like to think so. It's also David Martindale's first managerial role, Andrew. What would it do for his legacy at the club? I, th- I mean, I think David Martindale's already wrote a legacy in the club for, for what he's done over the years, just being involved at the football club. But to be that, that head man now, and, you know, it looks like we're well on track to finish in the top six this season. If we go on and, and lift a major trophy, it'll be rightly looked on as one of the best ever from, from the Livingston fans. And, you know, I, I would argue that potentially a candidate for for manager of the year if 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 we do uh, do the business on Sunday and and win the game. Great to hear from both sides, um, from St Johnston and Livingston ahead of Sunday. Um, but between us, obviously, this is going to be the first time someone's lifted a trophy other than Celtic in five years. So. It's a good story for Scottish football more than anything else, isn't it, Laura? It's a fantastic story. Um, you're going into a cup final here and I don't think anyone can call who's going to win this game. It is so evenly placed just now. Obviously, Livingston have had a fantastic run under David Martindale, but then have flounced, flounced, floundered, what's, what's it? struggled a wee bit it's, it's in flounced, previous weeks. Flounced. Flounced. Flounced a wee bit in previous weeks. It's not what you wear. Um, <laughs> Whereas St Johnson are obviously picking up for him, had a great result last weekend for them. You go into this one, there's no way you can call this. I'd like to think that that means it's going to be a really entertaining classic match and knowing my luck after saying that, it'll be nothing each and it'll be awful. But I'm really, really looking forward to this. I think it's absolutely heartbreaking that fans can't get to this. I think more than any um, kind of fixture, if it was a Celtic Rangers one, obviously their fans would want to go as well. But it's not the same because they get it a lot more often, well, especially Celtic anyway, get it a lot more often. For teams like St Johnson and Libby, this this comes around once in a decade, once every, more than a decade. It's so special to their fans. This could have been one of the best days of their lives <laughs> um, if they'd been at Hamden. 
So really heartbreaking for them, but still fantastic for the club in general, whoever's going to win it, to have this day out. I remember um, when Aberdeen played Cali Thistle in the final in like 13, 14, whatever it was. Um, the thing that makes it sort of unbearable to watch is that because Rangers or Celtic are not in the final as well, you know that one of the teams has to win it. So your team could win it, which makes it even worse if you don't. Because you're not supposed <laughs> to beat one of the two in the final. You're supposed to lose. You know, you get all hyped up when you go 3-0 down in the first half. That's what happens. But when you're playing a team that's not one of those, you can actually win. And that sort of makes it... I mean, it was one of the best days ever going to that game and winning it. It was also one of the worst days. I hated every single minute of the game. I'd imagine <laughs> Livingston and St. Johnson fans will find largely the same thing. If, uh, if it stays nil-nil for majority of the game, just knowing that one mistake will decide it, and it'll be that, there's no way it'll be free-flowing football. It'll be two teams really going at each other. Um, I think both managers will want that high, like, like full-court press, really going and trying pushing it. It's going to be lots of direct passing from Livingston, lots of wide plays from St. Johnston, and I think it'll be decided by some sort of ball in the box and a mistake. But I don't know anything! <laughs> That's my fantasy football knowledge attests. When these things come around, you just don't know when they're going to come around again well i think we end it there thank you for listening listeners thanks to jj and thanks to laura for joining me also to ed hodge and andrew semple uh, especially to the little kicks for our wonderful little theme tune and to producer charlie congratulations on being a dad mate we'll be back next tuesday have a great week stay safe we'll see you then bye bye You've been listening to the Totally Scottish Football Show, part of the Athletic Podcast Network. Keep up to date with everything totally at thetotallyfootballshow.com and by following at the Totally Show on Twitter and Insta. Check out all of the Athletic's football podcasts on Apple, Spotify and all the usual places or listen ad-free on the Athletic app. The Totally Scottish Football Show is a Money Knees Media production and sponsored by Paddy Power. The Athletic. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic.